Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. I'm very excited for you to meet Andrew Tucker. You've actually met him before. He's been on the World Prayer Network before. In fact, he's the one time his discussion was so thorough, so comprehensive, so brilliant, so detailed that I had something done I'd never had done before. I asked him to go in and produce an, a full outline of everything he said. And we offer that outline with the World Prayer Network video as well. It was just that thorough and that's astounding. Now, we had the privilege of meeting Andrew Tucker back in 2018. 2018. Uh, and, and what a blessing, what a joy, what a delight. He put out a little booklet that is the best I've seen on understanding the legal and international law the legal arguments for the existence of Israel. Now, you may think, well, why do I need to know those? Because there are people who challenge that, and we want to make you articulate on biblical constructs, and that includes legally understanding why it is that Israel has the right to, to exist. That little booklet, we've talked about it before, and there's a couple of paragraphs in that booklet that worth the whole, the whole book. It's just phenomenal. It's really well done. So we're going to attorney Andrew Tucker in The Hague, in the Netherlands. The Hague is not is the name of a city. Uh, we oftentimes, those of us outside of the Netherlands, confuse the court with being the Hague. The Hague is the city. The court is the International Court of Justice. And why I'm introducing him now is because, as you know, South Africa is accusing, this is bizarre, Israel of genocide, just the flip side. And, and so it's thrown back into the International Court of Justice, 15 justices. This is sort of the Supreme Court of where the nations go to dispute and handle their conflicts. It's under the auspices of the United Nations. It is generally non-binding or as I understand it, we'll have, we'll have our attorney friend Andrew Tucker explain all that to us. Andrew, thank you for coming on board with us from the Netherlands. You are a friend and a brother and we're so delighted to have you again on the World Prayer Network so talk about, explain to us, if you would, what is it that has just happened in the accusations against Israel, if I heard it right, accusing them of genocide, and, and, and how does that get argued in a court of law, and, and give us the legal background to this, this issue? Thanks so much, Jim, and it's, a, it's an honor and privilege always to, to be with you. So uh, this is a really bizarre situation um the um international court of justice as you say is seated in the peace palace in the hague and the court has jurisdiction uh in relation to many disputes between states you're absolutely correct to say it is the united nations court that resolves conflicts between nations it's really isaiah chapter two you know um if from a worldly sense whereas um, Isaiah chapter 2 and, and Psalm 2 talk about the judgment of the nations that, that the Lord himself will bring from Jerusalem. Well, this is the world's, uh, this is the world's best efforts at, at solving uh, disputes. It's uh, rooted in the UN Charter. Now, um, there is a genocide convention that was created in 1948, the very same year that the State of Israel was created. 1948, in my mind, is a watershed moment in world history. Uh, 
the State of Israel was created, as well as the modern human rights system, which is being used to uh, undermine and demonize uh, Israel and the Jewish people. Uh, at the same time, the genocide convention was adopted. This was after the Shoah, remember, after the Holocaust, when six million or more Jews were slaughtered and killed in Europe, almost all of European Jewry was annihilated. That was genocide. And this convention was created so the genocide would never happen again. Now, this convention has lain dormant really for many years, but in recent years, it's been reactivated in relation to Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, it's been re reactivated in relation to Myanmar. And now it's being used against the state of Israel. So uh, the state of the Republic of South Africa at the end of last year, so between Christmas and New Year 2023, made an application to the court as it's entitled to do. It's a signatory to the Genocide Convention, an application to the court that it has a dispute with the state of Israel, right? And the dispute is about the convention. Um, the dispute is that South Africa thinks Israel's committing genocide of the Palestinians. Israel thinks it's not committing genocide. So therefore, in South Africa's view, there is a dispute and the court has jurisdiction. Um, it's, it's a bizarre set of events when you think about it. Israel is fighting a war against Hamas, which is a genocidal terrorist regime that is intending to annihilate the Jewish people. Israel is acting in legitimate self-defense. Um, and South Africa is using this mechanism of the Genocide Convention really to undermine the state of Israel and to request the court to order a ceasefire in Gaza. Okay, this, this action is being used to put an end to the war against Hamas. So basically South Africa is defending Hamas. It's uh, in, in using the excuse that Israel is annihilating the Palestinians to argue that the court must impose a ceasefire uh, on, uh, on the state of Israel. Um, there are, this is provisional proceedings. Um, there is a mechanism under the court statute for provisional measures. The court did it in relation to Russia and Ukraine, um, and it's being asked to do it again here. And last week were the, uh, was the sittings in the Court of Justice. Uh, South Africa put its case, Israel put its case absolutely brilliantly. And now the court uh, is in, um, in the situation that it's going to come up with a judgment within the next week or so, maybe within a few days. Uh, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows what the court's going to decide. Could go in lots of different directions. Um, but this is one of many cases that is being launched at the moment in The Hague against the state of Israel. Uh, by the way, South Africa uh, is very, very closely associated with Hamas. It holds close relationship with Iran. There's evidence that um, the South Africans went to Tehran with Hamas um, to reach a deal that they would initiate these proceedings. So South Africa is playing a very, very dangerous and hostile role in all of this. 
the the when a court makes a decision like this, uh, am I correct in saying it's not binding in the sense that there's no army to back it up? There's no law enforcement force that can force Israel to do this. Am I? No, that's correct that's that? correct. That's that's correct. This this is a binding decision in the sense that um, if the court says it has jurisdiction. This is one of the issues, of course. Israel says, well, we don't have a dispute with South Africa. Uh, Israel, South Africa has a view. We've never contested that view. It's not a not a dispute. Um, but if the court rejects that position that Israel is putting forward, the court may say, no, we think there is a dispute. Therefore, we have jurisdiction. Therefore, we can make a ruling. It's binding in the sense that it's legally binding on Israel because Israel's a party to the genocide convention. But you're absolutely right. There's no, there's no enforcement mechanism. So, um, you know, Russia basically ignored the court's view when it came to the, uh, in, in the case of the Ukraine, if the court were to rule that, uh, that a ceasefire is required, Israel, in all likelihood, would ignore it, uh, reject it. It's not going to uh, stop fighting simply because the Court of Justice says it should. Um, and and it's been strong in that view. The United States, of course, has supported Israel in that, that there's no legal requirement for a ceasefire, would be inappropriate. It would only enable Hamas to re uh regather its strength and, and launch new new attacks on Israel. So the thing will probably go back to the Security Council. Uh, there will be a lot of states that will push the Security Council to enforce the court's ruling, and then we come back to probably the United States question whether the US will hold strong uh, in that situation. Just so we all are together, I suppose most of you know this, he says Security Council. He's talking about the United Nations in New York City. Yes. 18-member Security Council, I believe it is, five permanent, and 12 that change periodically. So the U.S. is one of the five permanent ones, and the five permanent members have veto capability. If one of them votes against it, it obliterates all the other votes. And with the exception of one vote, the United States historically has always stood with Israel on every vote. One time under the Biden administration, I think the U.S. abstained at a very terrible moment. Uh, am I correct, Andrew, that this is really more in the uh, 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 among the court of public opinion is where this really weighs heavily. Public relations, uh, that way they could tout and say, oh, Israel's violating international law. Um, and, and the average citizen on the street has never even heard of the court. And but it, it's among government and, and and governmentally geeky types and among bureaucrats and among elected officials uh, that they would make a big deal about this and they would follow it very, very closely. But in terms of the average Joe citizen, they're not really too concerned what what the court in the Netherlands is deciding. Am I correct in that assessment? I, I think you're right. I mean, the court. Legally speaking, it's the highest court in the world. So whatever the court says is like considered by governments, by states as being very important. Uh, 20 years ago, you might remember they did the similar thing in relation to the security barrier 
They said the security barrier is illegal. Uh, they said settlements are illegal. So when we hear that mantra, you know, time and again, the Israeli settlements are illegal, that's because this court said so 20 years ago, without any basis, without any explanation, or very little explanation, um, that statement is taken out of context and used politically, as you, absolutely as you say, to weaponize the nations against Israel. That uh, And the same thing will happen here again, I think. Israel is again breaching the international legal system. And so you create this kind of pressure, uh, increasing pressure. And it comes down to, uh, to individual nations. I think it's important. Um, and the United States is one of them. Being a permanent member, it has a very important role. But other states equally, if they are on the Security Council, or even if they're not, they have a voice. And uh, they have the sovereignty and the right to speak out in favor of Israel and speak out the truth. So this is what we hope, is that nations will not be pressured by Iran and by the anti-Israel non-aligned movement to uh, consistently condemn Israel. The, uh, the building, just so to give you all a mental picture on this, we've had the privilege of going inside what's called the Peace Palace to the International Court of Justice. There are 15 justices that preside. Uh, Andrew, the attorneys that make the case during these hearings, which occurred, I guess, just a few days ago, um, we were at the embassy in the Netherlands, in The Hague, back in 2018, 2019, met with the then ambassador, since retired, and we met with uh, some of the attorneys that were there who argued the case. Are those attorneys that we met still the same ones who argue the case, or did the did the, did the attorneys come from Israel to argue the case, or are they from there, the, from the embassy in The Hague, or and, and to what extent did you get to be involved? Uh, do they have amicus briefs? I mean, are you allowed to be involved in that procedure yourself? Because you're very articulate on all those issues. Yeah. No, uh, unfortunately, we, we, we don't have an opportunity. Uh, this is between states and states alone. Uh, so, at the moment, the only states involved in this conflict, in this proceedings, are South Africa and Israel. The court will not accept anything from any other, uh, certainly not from a non-state entity. Um, Israel put together actually a stellar uh, team. They were led by the head of the International Law Department in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Jerusalem, Tal Becker, uh, known well as Australian international lawyer, absolutely brilliant. And Malcolm Shaw, Professor Malcolm Shaw from Leicester is one of the leading international lawyers. Uh, he put the main case for Israel in the court and they had three other lawyers representing them. And uh, they did that in like a half day session, three to four hours. And you can watch it online, by the way. You might want to share that with your uh, with the participants on on this um, uh, on this webinar, you can you can uh, you can watch the presentations made by the representatives, and they were very articulate. And I think they completely destroyed the South African uh, case, which was built on uh, really on a make believe legal case, very poor evidence. 
but unfortunately, the court's a very political court. We have a Chinese judge, a Russian judge, Tunisian judge, a Moroccan uh, judge, a Lebanese judge, um, Japanese, <laughs> different nationalities, and they're going to be very critical of Israel, I'm sure, unfortunately. Uh, was this, were the proceedings in English? Yes, all in English. Oh, I'm amazed at that. Okay, very good. Yeah, yeah. What other insights you have? We're going to be going to prayer in a moment for Israel. Oh, by the way, what, what days did the uh, proceeding take place? What day was that? And then when will the uh, verdict be announced? So the, the hearings were last week on the 11th and 12th of January. That was a Thursday, uh, Friday last week. And nobody knows the exact date of the court's judgment. It hasn't been announced yet, but it's expected within the next week or so. So it's going to be very quick, really, in um, relatively speaking. And is it simple majority? In other words, if eight decide a certain way, eight out of the 15? Yeah, pr pretty much. There's two extra judges. Uh, Israel got to appoint what's called an ad hoc judge. And so did South Africa. So one of Israel's leading jurists is also on the court. He doesn't represent Israel, but he he's appointed by Israel, nominated by Israel. So there are actually 17 judges, and it's a majority decision. So so each of the 15, there, there's 13 plus ad hoc from Israel? There's 15 plus, 15 plus 2 is 17. Oh, 17. Oh, okay. 17 total yeah. judges will render a decision in. Because of the yeah. two add-ons. That's it. Uh, okay. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, just a little bit of the history of the Peace Palace. I believe that was Rockefeller money that helped build that. Is that accurate? Uh, I think Carnegie. Carnegie was the uh, the great benefactor. Andrew Carnegie. Oh, so actually, oh, 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 yes, yes. Thank you for that. The building is the building is still owned by the Carnegie Foundation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, yeah. The Carnegie's very, as my understanding, Freemason. Um, uh, it, it's you've been inside there, um, both of you, haven't you? And you, yes. you I, I think you'll agree with me. There's a feeling of there's something oppressive about the spirit inside that building. A pagan temple. Uh, well, they well, use the word you. temple. They use the word temple, do they not? Yeah, exactly. They call it the Temple of Peace. Yes, oh. yes, yeah. So the Temple of Peace, very, yeah. very interesting. There's a lot we could say about that. Yeah, uh, I'm so appreciative. By that way, the, the the book that you put out back that it's a small hardbound book that was just so excellent. Understanding these issues, you put out back in maybe 2019. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's download. It's all downloadable on our website, uh, Jim. Okay, give, so, give that the folks you need to you need to see this up. Well done. It's only maybe I'm gonna guess sixty pages or something. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's not very long, but extremely helpful. So now, let me tell you why. Some of you may be wondering why are we talking about this this kind of issue. Let me tell you why. Because your your kids and your grandkids going to evangelical colleges, evangelical colleges, come away saying. But Israel is violating international law. Now, that what I'm quoting here comes directly from a prominent Jewish man in Israel who brought evangelical college students in large numbers to a site and said, this is what God promised to Abraham. 
And here's the biblical text. And instead of them going, wow, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, we're seeing it wrong. They said, but you're violating international law. Now, that's your kids and grandkids from evangelical colleges, folks. You need to know these understandings. What, Rosemary? Well, which is a total lie, not only biblically, but legally. Yeah, it is a total lie. And I want to encourage you to go to his website. Uh, Andrew, give your website. Folks, if you want to donate to his cause, I, I suspect he would receive donations. Um, so go to his, his uh, website. What's the website? And then tell us the name of the book again. They can click on and download. So the website is www.think-israel.org. Think-israel.org. Think with a C. Uh, Israel, I'm sorry, dash, uh, or hyphen rather, hyphen, Israel.org, okay? That's and it. What's the book? How, where do they download it? So if you, uh, top of my head, you have to go up to click on our uh, publications or reports. And if you, um, uh, if you type in statement of jurists, you should come out with that uh, document. Oh, do you see it if right there? If you have any. Rosemary? What, what, picture of it. Yeah, but what's the, what's the title you see on that? Uh, Just give the title. It's called Statement of Jurists. Mm -hmm. What's that say? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the, the book is superb. Yeah. Oh, here it is. The Hague Statement of Jurists of the Israel-Palestine Conflict. So the total, yeah. the Hague Statement of Jurists on the Israel-Palestine Conflict. And so I just really commend this little small little blue book uh, to you. We have a copy here, and it's pure gold, folks. Andrew, what question should I have asked you that I failed to think of? Uh, the only thing I would just say that this is all part of a, a much bigger picture. You know, there are actually five cases going on against Israel in The Hague at the moment. Three at the uh, four at the International Court of Justice and one at the International Criminal Court. And this is separate from the Human Rights Council and many, many other institutions which are all very uh, hostile to Israel. So Israel is fight fighting a war on the ground uh, on seven fronts uh, in Gaza against Hamas, in Lebanon against Hezbollah, uh, the, in Syria, the, the Houthis in Yemen, so Israel's fighting a very complex battle on the ground, but it's also fighting this legal war. Um, and it's an existential war. This is really a war. Um, Iran, Qatar are behind this. Uh, they're weaponizing South Africa and other states to uh, really attack Israel from a legal perspective. Uh, it, look, Israel will do its thing and Israel will survive and the Lord will protect Israel, uh, and maybe this will all bring the Jewish people even closer together. Um, so we, we trust, we have to trust that the Lord is in this and he's going to use even this campaign, but we do have to pray into it, I think, and pray against it and pray that I think personally that nations, individual nations will receive the spirit of God and speak out strongly and boldly in favor of the state of Israel. Um, Israel 
not only brought us the Messiah the first time, but she will bring us the Messiah the second time. And Israel Amen. is by a nation, just like our Messiah was brought to trial, falsely accused, um, being there innocent. It was a remnant of the people who had discernment and truth and stood with the Lord in his moment of trial. And this is where the nations are today in a similar scenario. It's the thing I've said many times on the World Prayer Network. Why are the Jews persecuted? Why are they the most persecuted people group in history? The answer is easy because they remind the world of God. They brought us. They brought us the teachings. They brought us the prophets. They brought us the law. They brought us the teaching of the Messiah. They brought us Messiah. And consequently, because people don't want a God, they want to be God. Because if there's a God, there's a moral, there's a moral law. There's a moral law. They have to follow it. They don't want to follow it. And so subtly, that is the reason why the world hates the world in the pagan sense that hates the Jewish people because they remind them that there is a God and there is a moral law. That's the foundational, even if people don't even know why they're participating in anti-Semitism. That's the background on it. Uh, going back to just for a moment to Iran, Iran <clears throat> has all its proxies. We know that Hamas has Balaam. The Houthis, etc. But I, I have read that Iran funded South Africa a great deal. Uh, there, there's there's a buying off that's happening here. Is that accurate information to your knowledge? That there's a lot of cash exchange that's going that's causing South Africa to be so anti-Semitic. Look, um, I, I I don't know. I, there seems to be evidence of it. It seems. Um, and this is coming out at the moment, uh, there are reports. And the, if you look at the sequence of events after 7th of October, the, there's, there's absolutely no doubt, I think, that South Africa and Iran intensified their relations. South Africa's in huge financial problems. Suddenly they had all this money where they're out of their financial problems and able to fund. This is a massive case. I mean, it costs millions and millions of dollars to, to run a case like this. So the money has to come from somewhere, and it doesn't come from South Africa's own uh, piggy bank because that's empty. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know for sure, but it looks pretty smelly to me. Just want to remind you folks, we're talking to Andrew Tucker, an attorney from The Hague in the Netherlands, a good friend, a wonderful friend of Israel, a wonderful friend of ours, and a friend of truth. And his website, again, is Think hyphen israel.org and think is t-h-i-n-c not a k uh tell them why you spelled think that way there's a reason for it so actually we're we're called the hague initiative for international cooperation so think is really an acronym for uh, our name and we're called that because um actually the united nations charter talks about cooperation between nations as being the pathway to peace. Um, we know that one day the nations will cooperate with God's will. So this is our way of really putting God's purposes back into the United Nations. Andrew, it's a joy to talk to you. I'm going to ask you to lead in prayer for Israel first, then Rosemary to follow. Then we're going to flow right in uh, to prayer for Israel and for this, uh, this situation. Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. So, uh, almighty God, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you are the creator of the world. 
the heavens and the earth belong to you. And in your son, Jesus Christ, you created all things for your purposes and for your glory, that your name will uh, govern uh, all creation. And you created man at the pinnacle of creation to inherit your kingdom, Lord, to manage to reign with you. And in your son, Jesus Christ, you have brought the nations back Lord, you have opened the pathway. Uh, you have nailed our sins to the cross. And we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for your people, Israel, whom you have called, whom you have ordained. You have never abandoned them. Uh, Lord, they are your people. Your covenant remains eternal. And you are bringing them home from the north, the south, the east, and the west in our generation. A miracle, Lord, before our very eyes. And yet the nations are blind. We're all blind, Lord. We're all blind without you. And we ask you to lift the veil, to lift the veil from our eyes, lift the veil from the eyes of the nations, Lord, that we might see truth, that we might see good from evil, our Father God. And we pray for Israel in its dilemma, in its... Um, in the time of Jacob's trouble, I believe we're entering to the time of Jacob's trouble, Lord. Will you protect this people? And above all, Lord, will you bring them to you in the spiritual sphere as well? We pray for unity in Israel. We pray that they will come to recognize you as their Lord and Messiah. And that your name will be glorified amidst them and that Jesus will reign as their Messiah from Jerusalem. Father, be in this case in The Hague. We pray for the judges. We pray, Lord, for wisdom. And we pray for spiritual discernment. Father, that you will do miracles, um, Lord, and that you will intervene. And that, you will, that your name will be glorified in some miraculous way, Father. We, we pray that your will will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, in this momentous time, we pray as the harvest is being brought in that you separate the tares from the wheat mm -hmm. and remove their lies and deception. Father, even so that Israel will be a light to the nations as, as you have prophesied. And we declare and decree the word of the Lord for which our ministry well versed stands and works toward that in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations shall stream to it. This is Jerusalem. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob, God of Israel. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths for the Torah, the teaching, the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord for Jerusalem. So we declare and decree your protocol, mighty God, that Jerusalem is your throne, your capital and Israel, your nation, through which all the other nations come and bow and surrender their allegiance to in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. What that was that Isaiah? Isaiah 2, two. and Micah 4. That's uh -huh. what Wellverse is founded on. Yeah. The law yeah. go forth from 
Zion. And where's Zion? Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. The law will go forth from the Hague? No. It no. goes forth <laughs> from Zion. Ultimately, that's where the International Court of Justice uh, is going to be manifested. I just want to say something. We heard today that Hamas said that one reason, one re excuse they had for launching October 7th was because the red heifers were coming to Jerusalem, coming to Israel. Now, if that is not a prophetic sign, why would the enemy be so enraged? Because it points to Messiah. It points to where he um, was died, buried, resurrection, ascended, and is returning the Mount of Olives to that very altar. So we also are um, bringing at you the message of the red heifer, and we'll explain why it's so significant as a sign of our Savior. Many people don't understand that because it's been kind of extinct for 2,000 years, but it's back in our day. And so there's a great excitement that our King is coming. Now, that was actually in his speech regarding what she just said by a Hamas leader, commemorating the 100th day of the war in Arabic, he said, as about his third paragraph, he said, they dared bring back the red, I think he called it the red cow, mm -hmm. the red heifer. And so that, that was that was one of the things that perturbed them uh, to take, yeah, trigger them to, to, take, to take action. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing the time we live in. Andrew Tucker, you are a favorite. We just so enjoy you. And I want to encourage everyone to go to think, T-H-I-N-C hyphen Israel.org and make sure you get a copy of the Hague Statement of Jurist on the Israel-Palestine uh, conflict. Make sure and you if, if, if you have any problems, send us an email. We'll help you. Um, sometimes the website's a little bit tricky to find things. Please contact us. We'd love to help you. And I have a right behind me is my copy, and it's all marked up and scribbled and written in as I studied it. And I learned so much from you, Andrew. Praise God for you. Thank you so much for this, my brother. Thank you so much. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the Well-Versed Podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.